Welcome to another episode of the Friartown Fan Voice Podcast, presented by PCBB1917.com. Your home for Providence College basketball news, notes, and opinions. Now here's the founder of PCBB1917.com and your host, Mike Hopkins. All right, and welcome to another edition of the podcast, currently named Friartown Fan Voice Podcast, though that I think will be changing next week. Uh, since we last talked uh, on Thursday last week, Providence has played two regular season basketball games. Uh, they beat uh, Houston Baptist to open the season on Friday at Alumni Hall and what was a pretty cool atmosphere overall. Um, you know, not not something that you see every every forty five years or so. Um, so so that was that was interesting. And then Monday night uh, at the Dunkin' Donuts Center, they opened the season uh, of the Gavit tip off games, playing uh, Minnesota, the Big Ten, and Minnesota is a very good team. Ultimately, beating Providence uh, pretty handily over the in the last. 10 minutes or so of the game. I'm going to dig into all this with Brendan McGuire, who makes his return to the podcast. Uh, Chris and Grenham and I uh, didn't connect yet this week, uh, but I think all three of us will be together next week. So make sure you uh, find this podcast, subscribe in iTunes uh, or wherever you get your podcasts, and we will uh, be bringing you hopefully a weekly podcast uh, it'll probably pretty much always be the three of us. Sometimes it'll be a mix, mix of uh, of the three of us. Uh, other times it'll be maybe a guest. I think we maybe have a guest lined up for for next week right now. So without further ado, let me bring in Brendan. All right, and we're back. Uh, the, welcoming back in Brendan McGare, uh to discuss Providence basketball 2017-18. This is his debut on the podcast this year. Uh, Providence 1-1. One after beating Houston Baptist last week on Friday and then losing to Minnesota at home. Um, we're going to talk a little bit of Providence and Minnesota and look ahead a little bit towards uh, the 2K Classic this week, uh, Thursday, Friday at Madison Square Garden. Brendan, welcome in. Nice nice, uh, nice to be back in season. Absolutely. Uh, feels great to love college basketball. November felt like a very long preseason, Mike. I felt... Uh... I like it was going on for eternity almost, but here we are. The games officially count, and the Friars have two games under the belts, and they're going to a familiar venue, at least for them, on a Thursday night at Master Square Garden. Kind of important, and, you know, we're taping this on Thursday on Wednesday afternoon. Just came from media availability with uh, Coach Cooley up at PC, and one of the things that he was asked about, how important is it to get a Master Square Garden and play on back-to-back nights considering – you know, they're, not, they're playing St. John's on St. John's campus grounds this year. They're not playing them at Master Square Garden like they had been the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, the uh, it's just, just personally, it's pretty annoying. Uh, MSG is much more convenient uh, living in the area. So, um, but, you know, it's it'll be interesting. I think uh, the just to, just to kind of talk a little bit about um, – Monday's performance, um, something that my dad said when I talked to him the other day, 
kind of stuck with me, and it reminded me of stuff that Cooley was saying last year a lot in the beginning of the season, is that they played really well for like 28 or 30 minutes, but then that last 8 to 10, 12 minutes, they kind of just didn't either keep up the intensity or they didn't match the other team's intensity when they went on a run. And that, to me, probably was like an, an overall point, uh, the biggest difference on Monday night. This was a, a 51 to 46 game. You know, the Friars were up five with 14 49 to go. And you thought, okay, they're in good shot. They got a raucous crowd behind them, the national ranked opponent. You felt things were going good. You know, the quarter, maybe a signature win was within PC sites. And then all of a sudden, you know, Minnesota lived up to that 14th ranking that they had coming into the game. And it just particularly Jordan Murphy, he just cranked it up another notch. Um, Amir Coffey, he missed all of his shots from uh, downtown the first half. He hit three in the second half. It just, you know, Minnesota, that might be the best PC team that PC faces this year. And that includes Villanova. They just had looked like multiple pieces pieces that the Friars had no answer for down the stretch. Yeah, and even uh, throughout the night in the first half, the guy who impressed me the most was probably their freshman guard, Isaiah Washington, who was somebody that Providence had recruited a little bit. Uh, to New York City, I mean, that kid can play. And then you had, you got Nate Mason, who uh, I think was uh, first team or second team all Big Ten. I mean, they, they have they have some – and Jordan Murphy, I mean, the, the performance he put up the other night when he had, I think, 35 in the game before they played Providence, and then he followed it up by essentially not being able to be guarded. When he decided that he was going to get get the ball to the rim, he got the ball to the rim without really enter, any interference. Yeah, and I felt, and I talked about this with a couple people, and you really felt the Friars really missed Emmett Holt the other night, uh, especially. Not just because he's an inside-outside scorer. He's great off the pick and roll at the top of the key, especially. But he's the type of guy that you figured he might have, you know, sent a message or two to Jordan Murphy about, you know, he if he was coming down the lane a little bit, maybe give him a hard foul or two just to let him know that he's there. And Jordan Murphy just was basically to do what he wanted, whenever he wanted, and there was nobody in a PC uniform that could slow him down at that at that stage, especially once he got ahead of steam. Certainly the case, and I think uh disappointing game from Rodney Bullock again. Uh, I don't know if we, I feel like you can call him bad Rodney and good Rodney. It seems like he's just sort of either one or the other and nothing in between, and it was a bit of bad Rodney the other night. And, and frankly, on Friday, too, but Friday's overlooked because they blew out Houston Baptist, but um, he really just doesn't look interested. I don't know if that's the right way to put it. He just doesn't seem to have the same intensity, and it's clear that Ed Cooley's trying to get him involved early in the game. He's going to, he's running sets for him, trying to get him early shots, and he had a couple of good early looks. He just didn't, he just hasn't, hasn't been able to get it going so far. There was one instance, Mike, and I'm sure you noticed in the first half, he set a screen, Roddy Bullock, we're talking about, at the top of the key, and I felt he forced a shot, and he I don't think he had score. He had, I think he only had maybe one basket at that point. It just what it, what a score when a perceived score goes maybe ten minutes into the game without a basket. You all of a sudden you're wondering, okay, is it just not going to be his night, and are we going to be subject subjected to bad shots? And I thought that was a, a questionable shot for a fifth year senior on Rodney Bullock's part, but uh, it's kind of. Um, I go back to the preseason as well, Mike. I mean, other than the UConn game that uh, he played very well in, 
mean, he really hasn't been, he's really kind of been a non-factor in the final two preseason games and the first two games of the regular season. Yeah, I was looking at um, some of his, because I, I do this a lot when I'm looking at Providence's opponents, looking at Synergy Sports, and I decided maybe I'll take a look inside and look at Bullock himself. I looked at his season last year, and they use uh, descriptors to, to, to look at percentages and where they rank, and they go like excellent, average, below average, good, very good, stuff like that. And his uh, 2016-17 season, 51.2% of his possessions ended in a jump shot, and they described his shooting percentage as below average at 29.1%. And if that's going to be your main score, that's not really how uh, how it's really <laughs> – I mean, that, that offense is not going to work. No, and, uh, and we, I keep bringing up the, the name Emmett Holt, but I just felt that looking at going into the season – one thing that this PC team, maybe last year especially, that we always was wondering about, do they have like that alpha dog that kind of can shoulder the load, especially down the stretch, like a LaDante Henton or a Ben Bentle or Chris Dunn or a Bryce Cotton, like we've seen in years before. You thought maybe going into the season, okay, maybe Emmett Holt, just because he has the right mindset, the take-no-prisoners outlook, he would be the guy, well... We know uh, he's not here right now. He probably will not be here for the entire season. So that reverts back to the go-to guy we thought going into last season, uh, Rodney Bullock. Is he going to be the guy that's going to be take the crucial shots down at the end of the games and be that de facto, okay, I'm going to show the, F, the, uh, the whole load on my back. But right now, we're, we haven't seen it. It's early. But it's all. We're also talking about a fifth-year senior, so we're we're thinking it, this shouldn't be an issue going into, you know, the final whatever thirty-plus games of his college career. Yeah, he led. He led Providence in scoring fifteen times last year, and they were eight and seven in those games. That was by far the most um, times leading the team in scoring by anybody. The, the next closest was Emmett Holt with six. Um, and it really, it can't be overstated. And Chris and I kind of beat it to death a little bit in the first podcast. But Emmett Holt's absence is huge, and it's huge on a number of levels. One of which is that Rodney Billick doesn't really have kind of that safety blanket play next to him who can get going early in a game, and maybe Bullock needs a little bit of time to get get into the swing of things. And, and I think it's interesting you brought up um, the the last year's kind of the the big theme in October of last year about the fact that. One of the big concerns was who's going to be the go-to scorer. They don't have a go-to scorer. Is Bullock that guy? Last year he did it probably better than I think I maybe expected, although he had stretches kind of in the middle of the year where he just fell off a little bit. But they had guys like Holt step up. They had guys like Jalen Lindsay step up to another level in terms of shooting. Uh, and then Kyron Carter took another step. I think I, uh, I noted that he took uh, probably almost – I think he, he took almost twice as many shots in his junior year as he did in his sophomore year Cartwright did. Um, and he, I think when you were just saying, who's going to take the shot at the end of the game, I think you saw last year Cartwright doing that quite a bit, especially most notably in that, that Creighton game when he hit the game-winning three. Yeah, it just, um, you wonder if you look at Roddy Bullock today, is he really the same player who in 2015-16, with his first you know official year playing with the Friars after missing his his first two years has he gotten better has he taken that next step is there a next gear for him to find and you know 
those questions right now are largely unanswered. And like we keep saying, you know, with no Emmett Holt, uh, the pressure reverts back to the three seniors who have been there the longest. They have NCAA tournament experience. And Ed Cooley talked about it with me. And when I sat down with him for my pregame, uh, my preseason article, you know, we're going to go as far as Kyron Cartwright, Roddy Bullock, and Jalen Lindsay are going to take us. And that's, that's maybe a lot to ask just to pin on three guys when you're talking about a, a team sport. But they've been there the longest. They understand the whole process, the ups and downs. Uh, some nights the shot's not going to fall. But um, right now, as a whole, you know, you know we don't want to blow up two games or anything like that. But we're still waiting for Rodney Bullock to maybe hit another gear. Yeah, and I, I really am not sure if he has it. Uh, it's sort of what happened if you if people are familiar with his recruitment. Uh, coming in his in his junior year, he was ranked in the top 100. Uh, I think he got pretty high actually in the top 100. Um, and then all of a sudden, he had a bad uh, spring and summer and was like in the 150, 175 range. And I feel like that's sort of a microcosm of what we've seen. Where I, I don't know that he maybe he's and you know he's got Ivan Thomas here who was his coach at in high school. Maybe that, I mean, I know they've been working. I saw you tweeted earlier that he, they were working, uh, first people out shooting. They were, they're out shooting before the game on Monday night together, very early before the game. So I, I don't know. I mean, whether or not Bullock can take the next step, we'll see. I, I don't think he's going to be really bad all year, but I just think that they don't really have, without Holt and with Lindsay just getting his feet under him after missing the first game, uh, they don't really have much wiggle room to pick up the slack. Uh, I mean, Alpha Diallo, another one who was kind of silent, then a little foul trouble Monday night. He was talked largely about as a breakout player for Providence this year. And I went back and looked at his stats. I'm not sure that his stats last year really suggest that he was going to take a huge step to become a breakout player. Uh, I think maybe we're, we're all kind of dealing with a little recency bias. He had a couple of big games last year towards the end of the year, including against Villanova. Um, so maybe we need to pump the brakes on him too, but I think it's going to have to be if they're going to. Providence is going to go as far as as uh, as many people think they are, and I, I thought with Holt coming into the season, I was telling people this might be the year they go to the Sweet 16. Uh, they're going to have to get some help quickly from guys like Diallo. Khalif Young is going to have to figure out how to play defense because he was pretty good actually on offense the other night. And then you got to mix in a guy like Malik White off the bench who led them in scoring in the first game. Uh, Mikhaish and Langford, Drew Edwards and Isaiah Jackson. I mean, they, they have so many pieces. And maybe that's another thing we can talk about, too, about Cooley kind of figuring out the lineups. But uh, there's there's a lot of things that need to kind of come together. And they don't have a ton of time until the games start getting difficult in Jan you know, late December. One of the things I asked uh, Coach Cooley today was about, is there a possibility of playing both you know, Nate Watson and Khalif Young at the same time together. And, you know, without, and Coach Cooley talked about rotation right now. And, you know, for years we talked about PC teams that maybe lack depth. But this team, even if you take away Abbott Holt, depth isn't the major issue. It's maybe more, you know, deciding, like, who are your best, like, eight or nine guys that you, you can go with? Because right now PC probably has maybe, what, close to, 10, 12 guys that you can maybe play on a given night. I mean, that's that's a lot in the college basketball. That's a lot of miles to feed. I mean, right now, that's the challenge for um, Coach Cooley and this coaching staff, try to figure out, okay, who who is the starting five we can go with? Who are the top three guys off the bench? And 
you know, in a in a pinch, who can else we go with? And I mean, it just feels like, especially over the last couple of years, those names have changed. We saw, like you referenced, Malik White, great night on Friday night against uh, Houston Baptist. Can he keep that up? Isaiah Jackson, I thought he played pretty well. He was a pretty solid against uh, Minnesota the other night. One of the few bright spots out of the two big kids, actually. Um, can he keep that production up over the course of a season? We've seen too many guys, and we just talked about Rodney Bullock being hot or cold sometimes. Can guys be more consistent? And in that turn, make the coaching staff's job easier in terms of ironing out a rotation that they can, everyone can live with. Yeah, I think that's important, too, on Jackson and we're, with lineups. I mean, he sort of, to me, felt like he was kind of one of the guys that got left out a little bit in the second half once Cooley kind of tightened things up a little bit. In the first half, he played 12 minutes. He had eight points, made two threes, three rebounds. He played pretty well. And then the second half, uh, he, he played eight minutes, but he uh, didn't take any shots. He, he was only at the line twice. Um, so it just didn't seem like he uh, he really was, was given – the opportunity that maybe he had, and that's again, I think maybe something that Cooley needs to figure out himself about riding the hot hand versus mixing guys in, trying to get different lineups, different looks. You know, what can you run with this group? What can you run with that group? I mean, for him, this is his sort of his first time having this problem. I'll ask, I'll ask you this, Mike. Um, were you surprised a little bit the other night because I was that PC didn't kind of press a little bit, especially when they got down maybe six, eight yeah. points because. We had thought that, you know, especially with the guards and the wings and the speed, you know, you could. we've seen a couple times during the preseason where uh, Ed rolled out a, a three-guard lineup with uh, Cartwright, Ashton Langford, and uh, Malik White just to maybe force the tempo a little bit. I was kind of surprised that uh, they didn't press the other night instead of trying to, you know, play defense man-to-man because obviously that wasn't working as we saw the, the most telling stat of the night, 30 baskets for Minnesota, only six assists. Yeah, that was unbelievable. I actually tried to do a little research because I thought maybe Cooley was being a little had a little hyperbole when he was saying that that was he'd never heard that before. I haven't been able to find a lower percentage of assists uh, in, in the in the game. I mean, I asked Ken Palm, maybe he'll take take it up at some point. But um, yeah, I mean, they, they really. I, I was surprised. They did a little bit on Friday against Houston Baptist. They did a little bit in the preseason, even if it's three-quarter court, and you're, maybe you don't you, you kind of do it a little bit lackadaisical, and then every once in a while they call like a special call, and they and that's a trap on the first pass. There's something to mix it up because uh, it just seems like they have enough bodies and they have length and interchangeable parts. Like in a, like a guy like Diallo has been at the top of that kind of that one-two-two press that they were running. He's like six-six-six-seven. I mean, they have the, the ability. It'll be interesting to see if they – if they bring it out, and, and who knows, maybe it's still early in the season and they don't feel confident. But I, I don't know. I thought maybe uh, seeing a little press, seeing uh, mixing in a little zone, that they, they didn't really do a lot of. It just seemed like they were expecting eventually that Bullock and Lindsay and whoever was guarding Jordan Murphy was going to be able to stop him, and it just didn't happen. No, guys, I, I was thinking like a lineup, like we mentioned, the three guards, Diallo and Isaiah Jackson. I thought that would have been a good press unit to kind of get the team back in the game, you know, quickly shed some uh, some points off that deficit and maybe cause, maybe force uh, Richard Pitino, who PC alum we should mention, uh, to call call a timeout, maybe recalibrate things and get him thinking a little bit. I think Minnesota just got way too comfortable the other night. It didn't look like the Friars 
maybe from a, a coaching standpoint, a, uh, a tactician standpoint, they just didn't have an answer or didn't kind of force the issue or make Minnesota knock them off a peg or two just to make them uncomfortable a little bit. Yeah, I think that's uh, really that's sort of what it came down to is that Minnesota just didn't have didn't what they weren't really under duress once uh, once they went on that that run with about eight or nine minutes to go and kind of put the game away. Um, I guess we can uh, move ahead now to Thursday, the two K Classic. Providence uh, opens with Washington. I believe the schedule tip is nine thirty. We'll see if that actually happens with a seven o'clock game before. Um, and despite rumors in this offseason, I am not the coach of the Washington Huskies. No, you are not. Uh, that is a Jim Beheim disciple, the one-time Syracuse coach-in-waiting, Mike Hopkins. He packed his bags, and he went out to the to the West Coast. Originally a West Coast guy, at least from California originally, but um, Syracuse alum, he was, like we said, rumored to be uh, Jim Beheim's successor, and then Jim Beheim came out and said he plans on coaching another five years. He'll probably be coaching when he's 90 for all we know at this point, but uh, he will be back at Madison Square Garden on uh, on uh, tomorrow night. Coach Hopkins we're talking about um, bringing uh, some interesting pieces left over from the previous regime. Uh, obviously, uh, Noah Fultz, he got drafted by the, the Sixers, and we know how that's turned out this year. But... Um, some intriguing pieces for this Washington Husky team as they come east. Yeah, they really do, and and they had um, they played two games. They played Belmont in the opener, which is another two K classic game. Uh, Providence will play them next week. Um, they had they had kind of a tale of two different games. They won both games. Belmont uh, had the lead for a lot of that game, actually on uh, the opening night on the tenth. Um, but then about five minutes to go, um, I think. They uh, they turned it on. They they have they have a couple of nice nice pieces. David Crisp is um, junior point guard who's back. He's been pretty solid. The guy who was the hero on on the opening night is a freshman, Jalen Noel. Noel, I'm not sure how to pronounce that one. He had 32 points, which actually uh, topped Fultz's record for freshman scoring in their first ever game of 30. Uh, he had 25 of the 32 in the second half, which was pretty wild. And then their other game, they played Eastern Washington. Uh, they won by 10 on Sunday, and that was a game dominated by their big man, Noah Dickerson, who had 28 points, 22 rebounds. He uh, he fouled out in 19 minutes in the first game. So kind of just really totally different games from, from Friday to Sunday for them. And, you know, they're, they're ranked 130th in Ken Palm, so they're not expected to be really good or really bad, sort of middle of the road. Um, but they have some nice pieces that could certainly challenge Providence on Thursday. Absolutely. And, you know, I don't know how much of a fact we should put in their PC. You know, once again, they're facing a quote-unquote school from a Power 5 conference. I don't know how much we want to read into something like that when you talk about facing teams from the Big Ten and the the Pac-12 or the ACC, which the Friars will do later when they host uh, Boston College or even uh, even as, maybe as soon as Friday night if they get a matchup with uh, Virginia Tech. But um, I think those games are kind of important. You know, just maybe perception-wise, facing uh, schools from the quote-unquote more prestigious conferences. I don't know if uh, you buy into that or not. No, I mean, there's certainly part of it. I mean, everybody, Monday night against Minnesota, that was like the big game on that night. Ken Palm had that as his top game on his fan match. 
Um, they're on ESPN2 on Thursday and Friday, so you get more eyeballs there. People, you know, it's it's different when you're playing uh, Creighton, although maybe people know it now, but Creighton, again, even Washington is not a, not a traditional basketball power, but people know the Pac-12, people know the ACC, so I think there is something to that. Um, whether or not, I mean, I know, I, I, I don't, I don't want to speak for Ed Cooley, but um, my feeling is that he probably does deep down gives him a little extra satisfaction to be a team from the Power Five. For a guy that we've seen the last few years get, you know, courted by Power Five schools, and I'm sure, uh, you know, it's a reminder saying, you know, I could make this work at a quote-unquote basketball-only school. I think that's maybe where Coach Cooley takes the most satisfaction. Yeah, and and then on the court a little bit, um, in case people are wondering uh, if Mike Hopkins is bringing the Syracuse 2-3 to Spokane, he is. They played um, 88% of their defensive possessions so far in the two games in the zone. Um, they uh, So, that you know, this will be an interesting test for Providence's zone offense. They didn't really face a lot of zone against Minnesota, maybe just on a, out of bounds or out of a timeout the other night. Um, so... You know, if they start hitting some shots, uh, maybe they can break it. They go inside a little bit, but um, that's going to be a whole different look. It's almost like you're coming in, playing all year in football against regular teams, and you get the triple option. Yeah, it's. Um, I'm sure. Uh, I I remember talking to Kevin Kerbeck last week. I don't know what I talked to him about my the Richard Pitino story I did about you know. Do you guys go back to watching some tape of Syracuse? And I know the personnel is different because, you know, between the, you know, Coach Hopkins did not bring those players out to, out with him to Washington. But same tendencies, same mindset, you know, same positioning, you know, just to maybe get a couple of uh, ideas of what to expect, even though. Uh, but I can't imagine right now uh, Coach Hopkins, he's just he's cutting his teeth right now as a head coach for the first time. He's not going to get maybe too fancy, too elaborate. He's going to go with what he's been doing for years dating back to when he was a player at Syracuse and that's zone. Yeah. And, and I mean, it makes perfect sense that, uh, that he would bring it out there. He obviously believes in it. Um, but I mean, they, they've given up a decent amount of points in the first two games. Um, and we'll be interesting to see, I mean, the, the, like David Crisp, uh, I don't know that he's necessarily an ideal uh, you know, type of two-three guard. Um, he's he's not he's a little undersized, maybe to be up on the wing, and that could be a potential spot that Providence looks to exploit. You know, run stuff for his side where he can get shooters shooting over him. And obviously, the key against zones usually is just to get inside, whether it's at the free throw line or if you can attack it at the at the uh, at the at the nail or any of the spots where you can get inside and uh, force guys to give up some space and you can fill in behind for easy easy passes. So that will be, you know, on the court. And then offensively, they um, they look to get the ball inside quite a bit so far this year. Uh, obviously not a lot of Washington tape, but, the, you know, they run pick and roll. Um, it seems to be a little bit of a, uh, you know, kind of riding the hot hand. So they went with Noel the other night. And then Dickerson down low uh, on their second game. So, I mean, it's sort of a mixed bag on the offense. It is a mixed bag, but um, you know, just shifting back to PC, 
you know, one thing I'll be looking to see if uh, the two uh, big, the two young uh, bulls down low. Well, we're talking about Khalif Young and Nate Watson. They got to combine more than a five rebounds, which they pulled down against Minnesota. I thought both of them they acquitted themselves fine on the offensive end. You know, Khalif Young had a great start there to uh, the second half against Minnesota, and that's when you thought, okay, maybe this PC team will maybe start to pull away, get some distance. I thought Nate Watson was consistent from the time he got in the game until the end, especially except for one bad turnover. I thought that led to a fast break opportunity for Minnesota. But they got to combine more than uh, just than for five rebounds. That's uh, that goes without saying. Yeah, and I, I think also the fact that they, I, I I was shocked at the the offensive production. I don't know that that's necessarily when Providence is going to be at their best if they're getting that many points from those two guys. I think you'd like to see more of Jalen Lindsay on the wing. You'd like to see more Isaiah Jackson getting some more shots because he's been shooting the ball well. Um, but the big guys also on the other end will have an opportunity to crash the glass against that 2-3 zone. So, I don't know, a lot, a lot of intriguing things. Um, I don't want to look too far ahead, but we're not going to do another podcast before Friday. So uh, Virginia Tech would be interesting. Get a little Buzz Williams revenge against the uh, former Marquette head coach. Uh, they've been they've put up in a ridiculous. They scored 111 in their first game and then 132 in their second game. So they are uh, they're putting the ball. They, I think they had something like 93 possessions the other night, which is just ridiculous. It's like 25 more than the game the other night in the province. And you know it's also going to be a quick turnaround too, Mike. Uh, you know PC they'll be you know be fortunate to tip at 9:30. Maybe it'd be closer to. You know, we know how obviously the Big East tournament works. You know, you might be tipping close to the 10 o'clock. So by the time you get out of the Madison Square Garden, it might be 1 o'clock in the morning, maybe 12.30, 1 o'clock. Quick turnaround, you know, you got to queue up the uh, the tapes. You know, Ed Cooley talked about it today at uh, Media Availability, how they've already done a little bit of homework on Virginia Tech and St. Louis. You know, that's the other team that the Friars could possibly face on Friday. But, um you're right. Uh, that Virginia Tech team—they've—they've uh, been explosive thus far, uh, especially from an offensive standpoint. And that'll be a test if uh, for the Friars uh, to see if they can slow them down. Yeah, and ironically, I think that that's actually a better matchup for Providence because they've been playing kind of a three guard and a wing and a big guy. They, they really don't have a power forward. And I don't know. That could be fun. Uh, again, both games Thursday, Friday will be at uh, on uh, ESPN two. Uh, any other tidbits from Media Day before we sign off? Uh, nothing. Well, I, I saw a couple people talked about, uh, you know, Jalen Lindsay about, you know, Mr. Master Square Garden. Uh, you know, that like we talked about at the top, this is the only time that PC will get into Master Square Garden before the Big East tournament. So, um, you know, granted, it's like three months out in advance, but uh, Jalen Lindsay is something about Master Square Garden that agrees with them especially about 30 points, I think, a couple of years ago as a sophomore. One of his, well, his breakout game for that season. So we'll see if uh, the Garden Lights, once again, are treat him kind. Yeah, it's always a good opportunity to play at the Garden. And uh, for this team, again, like you said before, to not get that game this year against St. John's, uh, this will be their, their uh, only other opportunity until that, uh, that week in March when they're down back for the Big East tournament. So, um Hopefully I'll see you Friday, maybe. Um, but other than Absolutely, that, um, um, but uh, looking ahead to like to tomorrow, I, I talked to uh, Ivan Thomas and 
Rodney Bullock about their relationship and, you know, everything. So that will be uh, the pregame article that I'm working on for tomorrow just to give a heads up to the to the listenership. All right. Well, when you're listening to this, and if you haven't already, because this is coming out probably on Thursday, uh, make sure you head over to Brendan's Twitter, bwmcgarr 3 uh, he'll have he'll have a pregame article. I'll have something up, I'm sure, as well at some point. Um, some some notes and stuff. So, looking forward to uh, making this a weekly thing. Hopefully, um, I was talking to Chris the other night. Uh, he was at the game on Monday, also, and uh, we were thinking maybe Tuesday nights recording so that we can uh, get it up on Wednesday every week. That might be a good goal for now. Um, hope for, hope for the best. Uh, I just like we kind of had to be let off. Just really happy that the season's back. Absolutely, that that cannot be stated enough. College basketball is back. You know, Tuesday night was a, was a great doubleheader to watch uh, from the United Center. You know, you don't see too many marquee matchups that early in the season, but that just that was another example that you know it's definitely college hoop season. College basketball season certainly is here, and so that's very exciting. I hope to see uh, some people at the at the Garden this upcoming uh, Thursday, Friday. Games are on ESPN2, as a reminder. Uh, I want to give a special shout-out now to my uh, patrons, people over at patreon.com uh, slash PCBB1917, who have been uh, very supportive over the last several months, uh, allowing me to make a lot of technical upgrades to the website, stuff you maybe don't even really notice, but has uh, made my life a little easier in terms of maintaining the blog and updating information. And then... Uh, got a new logo if you haven't seen it uh this podcast is sort of back up and running so a lot of thanks to to uh, everyone who's donated specifically want to give a special shout out to uh some people who have donated at a level that uh really gives them a little shout out in the podcast uh john lee dumas jld mike evans my dad my uh, uh adam nagel bob allison Ron Torbick, Brendan Ryan, Dan Marcus, Joe DeAngelis, Dennis Corbett, Mike Saburn, Ray Penza, Dennis Burns, Chris Thurlow, my college roommate, G, whose son was baptized over the weekend, so shout out to little G, uh, Terry Meyer, and Alan Russ. I want to thank everybody there. So a special shout out to all of the patrons. And I would be remiss if I did not mention that my wife, the brand new Mrs. Hopkins, is uh, also a patron. So if that's not love, I don't know what else is. Um, just a little additional plug. For as little as $3 a month, you can join our Slack chat community, which has been pretty cool so far. Uh, pretty good during the recruiting season. We had some good nuggets dropped there by me and even some other people on the uh on the Slack, who are tied into recruiting a little bit, and um, we really—it's uh, been—it's been fun. Uh, the, we're having a little bit of a Slack patron meetup uh, this this uh, Friday, I think, in uh, New York City. So uh, make sure you go to Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com/slash/PCBB1917. Check out the different reward levels. Um, I'm pretty close to sustaining. Um, a donation to the Angel Fund, so that's pretty cool. So go over there and check that out. Um, as I alluded to in the open, we have an uh, exciting announcement for a new podcast name, which we will debut next week, so stay tuned for that. Um, actually, a shout-out to 
one of my patrons who suggested it on Twitter, the uh, ultimately the name we're going to go with. I'm sure we'll probably make an announcement at some point about the name, um, but you should see it when you are listening to this podcast next week. Uh, make sure make sure you go to uh, iTunes right now or wherever you get your podcast and hit that subscribe button if you need ad- some additional assistance doing so. I posted a very instructional video on my Instagram the other day at PCBB1917. Um, so make sure you go there and subscribe, rate, and review. And we'll talk to everybody next week. Don't forget to subscribe to the Friartown Fan Voice Podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Mike Hopkins on Twitter and Instagram at PCBB1917. Like the Facebook page. And as always, stay classy, Friartown.